What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the channel. Uh, today, I have author Michael Maymay. Michael, how are we doing today? Doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on. So, uh, uh, many of you may not know, uh, many of you may. Uh, Michael is the best-selling author of the Planet Side series, uh, book one, Planet Side. Book two uh, is Space Side, and book three coming out on the 29th of this month is Colony Side. Uh, but Mike, before we kind of get into all that, I want to know a little bit about you. I want to know, uh, you know, growing up, how you got into writing, uh, kind of maybe what you did before writing, and are you a full-time author now, or do you still have a day job? Yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. Um, I didn't start writing, really, until I was in my 40s. Um, so I, I grew up in New Hampshire, um, uh, really didn't have any desire to go into the military, um, but ended up in the army in a kind of a roundabout way. I was, I did not have the money to go to college and I was in my guidance counselor's office and he was like, Hey, you know, if you go to one of these military academies, you can, you can go for free. And I'm like, all right, sign me up for that. And, uh, so I applied to West Point and got in, um, had never been there, didn't know what it was. Um, so I ended up uh, doing that and I got to West Point and I absolutely hated it for like four <laughs> years. Um, and you owe a commitment of five years afterwards. And I thought, okay, well, I'll just go out in the army, do my five years and, and then get out. But I got out in the army and I loved it. Um, so I did not like being at the Academy. Um, but I did love, I love the army and I ended up staying in for 27 years. Um, so that's, that's what I did. And I actually wanted to be a writer while I was at the Academy. I don't remember what year I was 18 or 19. I started when I was 17 at the, at the, at West Point, but I was 18 or 19 when I told my mom that, Hey, I, I want to be a writer. Um, and you know, my mom being the greatest mom ever didn't laugh, didn't make fun of me, didn't say anything. Just, just said like, you probably will. You know, <laughs> she was just like the most supportive woman ever still is. Um, She's also a writer. Um, she wrote some children's books. Um, I just never did it. You know, when I was at West Point, I actually took a couple of extra English classes. Like I was an economics major. At West Point, at the time I was there, you got like two electives. Okay, and I spent both of mine on on, li on literature classes, on, on, on English classes, literature stuff, just because I was interested. That's what I liked. Um, and I was just so overmatched. I'm in there with like all the people who are majoring in English and I just like drop in and, and have no clue what I'm doing. Right. Um, uh, but I do it again. Um, so I've always wanted to write and then I never did. Um, always been a reader, you know, read, read all the time on deployments, especially. Um, that's why the Kindle is the greatest invention in the world uh, for me, because I used to have to take like bags of books, you know, I'd have, I pack like an extra case somewhere. I like stick it in, in a, in a tank or something and, and ship over like a case of 20 extra books. Um, but then you got, you're over there and you're like, okay, I can only carry 10 back, which 10 am I, you know, who's going in the fire and, and, you know, and who's, who are we taking home? And that's just what, so I get Kindle and I, but I would read a lot, um, while I was there, uh, while I was deployed, um, you know, mostly science fiction and fantasy, but I read thrillers, uh, historical fiction, mysteries, um, all the stuff that you see in my books. Um, you know, my books, and we'll talk about it, but not not traditionally necessarily traditional science fiction. You, you'll see some of those other elements in it, and then that comes from my love of just reading. 
um, a lot of books. So then um, I was getting on toward the end of my career. Um, and I started writing and I wrote a really, really bad fantasy book, which will never be seen. Um, one or two people have seen it, but they're sworn to secrecy. <laughs> it will never, it will never be seen the light of day because it's not very good. Um, and I'd never shown anybody my writing. Um, and that was, and I queried, I queried agents, by the way, never do this. I queried agents with a book that no one else but me had ever read because I thought it was good at the time. Um, and then I met some other writers and they were very quick to point out that it was not good. Um, and I, I figured out, I mean, they pointed out a few things to me that I realized right away. I'm like, Oh wow, I need to learn. So I spent like, you know, five or six months studying. And then I sat down and wrote Planetside. Um, and at the time, uh, I started writing it in two, late 2014 and I just got back from Afghanistan. Um, and my wife was living in Savannah and I couldn't get a job in Savannah. I couldn't get a job in Savannah, but I got a job in Columbia, South Carolina, which was like three hours away. Um, so I had an apartment in, in Columbia um, and I would stay there during the week. And then Friday and Saturday night, I'd come home and spend in Savannah. I'd drive three hours back here, spend the weekend with my wife, go back up to Columbia. Um, and the job was not a difficult job. It was a, it was a day job. So I was home by six every night um, and just sitting in my apartment. And, and um, I'm not someone who goes out. I don't, I don't go to bars. I don't, I don't go out to anything. So, so I had like four to five hours a night to myself um, to write. Um, and that's when I wrote Planet Side. Um, that's when I wrote the beginning of a book called Misfits. Um, which I'll talk to you about later. That's that's the one after Colony Side. That's book four, um, different series. Um, but that's really how I became a writer. And then um, I got out of the army. I actually sold Planet Side before I got out of the army. Um, I sold Planet Side for not very much money. Um, certainly not enough to quit uh, quit working. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll just say it. I, I got $7,500 up front for Planet Side um, and, and the same for Space Side. I have since made significantly more money on those books than that, <laughs> um, which is great. But um, at the time, you know, it did not look like it, it wasn't a sure thing uh, mm -hmm. by any stretch. Um, and my wife wanted to stay in Savannah. Um, and having been a horrible husband for you know, 28 years dragging her all over America and in Europe, leaving her for years at a time to raise my kids. I was not willing to fight with her about that. So yeah. I came to Savannah, had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and a friend of our family um, forwarded my wife something on Facebook uh, Benedict, Benedictine Military School, which is a it's it's a pretty a pretty prestigious um a school here in Savannah, private school here in Savannah, boys school, a Catholic boys school. And uh, they needed an English teacher. I'm like, all right, I've got absolutely no qualifications for this, but I wrote a book. So let me teach English. I went in and it is a military school. So being a graduate of West Point and a retired colonel carried a lot of weight there. Um, uh, so I taught English for three years. Um, and this year I quit. Um, and I quit before COVID, like 
I made the decision. I told them in December of last year that I would not be returning um, because it was just too much. Um, I had contracts for three additional books at the time, Colony Side being one of them, um, and two, two other books beyond that that I had to write. And trying to work all day and then come home and write at night um, and meet deadlines, it, it just was, it was too much. Um, and I, had, I probably could not make a living. I could not make a living as an author full time, um, but I have a military pension that comes with healthcare, which is huge for authors. I mean, the reason you don't have more full-time authors is because the healthcare system in America sucks for people who don't have jobs. Right. Right. And not that they don't have a job, they have a job, but being a, if you're an individual contractor, one of the hardest things to do is get healthcare that's affordable and okay. Yeah. Um, so having that through the army is just a huge advantage, you know, for an author. Um, so that's how I was able to basically retire again from, from teaching um, and uh, just write full time. I hear you. Yeah. I, I know all about the, uh, about the, the woes of independent contractors. Yeah. That's horrible. <laughs> I, uh, I, I did a uh, residential real estate only for two years and uh, yeah, try, trying to pay for insurance was just, is just miserable. Yeah. Uh, on top, on top of having to pay, you know, monthly dues and then hoping you had a closing that month that it, it was, it was ugly. It was some dark times a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing with me is having a pension is it, it makes it easier to absorb the way that you get paid in publishing. Right. Because I mean, I get, I have two paydays a year that I know. Okay. April 1st and October 1st, I will get a check. Okay. And that's for the royalties on, on, that are, for the books that I have that have sold through, which is both both of my books have sold through their advance. Um, so every six months from Harper Collins, I get a check for however many books that we were able to sell that year. So I have those two things, but the real money co comes from you know signing the next contract, and you don't necessarily know when. Like I don't know when I'm going to sign my next contract. Mm -hmm. I, at this point, I don't even know if I will sign the next contract. I fairly confident that I will sign another contract. Um, you know, with Harper or somebody else, I mean, we've, everybody's made money on the books. So, you know, that's, it's probably not that hard to sell. Uh, we just have to <laughs> come, come into a, an agreement of what I'm going to write. Mm -hmm. um, Would you probably stay in military sci-fi? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I would rather not. I never meant to write military sci-fi. That was never really my plan. Um, it just happened, you know, it, Planet Side kind of sprung out of my brain, almost fully formed, um, you know, in a nine week period at the end of 2014 and uh, events carried me from there. Um, I always wanted to be a fantasy writer, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I used to read mostly fantasy, more fantasy than science fiction, certainly read a lot of science fiction too, um, but, but I read more fantasy than science fiction. Um, you know, and I always kind of thought that that's the way I was going to go. I don't think I will go there now. Um, although I would love to write a fantasy series that is to fantasy what Planet Side is to science fiction. Like something else, like like a military fantasy, you know, 
I don't know. I don't know what it would look like. I haven't even thought of it. And I really, this is, I'm talking like multiple years down the road because I got more books to write science fiction first. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can do something like urban, urban fantasy. Yeah, but I don't, I'm not, I don't dislike urban fantasy. Um, I mean, obviously, Jim Butcher's great. Kevin Hearn. Um, I mean, N.K. Jemison's last book is pretty much urban fantasy, right? Um, the the city we became. You could call that urban fantasy if you wanted. Um, and, and she's obviously the greatest writer of our generation, um, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but oh wait, hold on, Dan Rowinski. I'm just reading the comments over here to say let's do a collaboration. It'll be good. Um, you know, but I could, uh, I, I, it wouldn't be urban fantasy because I don't want to write in a city, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't want to write that. But it might share some voice with urban fantasy. I would suggest that Planet Side has a similar voice to a lot of different types of urban fantasy, kind of that noir uh, voice feel to it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I would like to do something like that maybe with fantasy someday um, just to see what happens. Because I don't think there's a ton of people doing that. Um, Pete McLean, maybe some of his 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 two books are, are a yeah. little bit like that. They got the very military feel to them, even mm -hmm. though the guys are just come. I love those books. Um, uh, yeah, it's very it's very Godfather. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It really is Godfather. Um, Jade City is another one. Um, the the Greenbone Saga. Um, Fond Fonda Lee's books are, are are a little bit like that. Um, very much another Godfather kind of feel mm -hmm. um, thing. But I, I bet. But I got more. I got more science fiction books I want to write too, and some of them aren't military. Um, yeah. The problem with writing military science fiction is you're kind of narrow in your audience. You know, um, yeah. you're not going to reach out. You're not going to reach the larger sci-fi community because there's a whole chunk of the sci-fi community that won't that won't touch it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even though there's some really great stuff. You know, I mean. Jack Campbell, Tanya Huff. I mean, I mean, there's some, there's some, you know, really seriously good authors that, that do write in that. But most of the military sci-fi these days is indie. Mm -hmm. um, most of the new stuff, most of the best stuff, um, the best-selling stuff certainly. Craig Allenson sells more books than anybody in military yeah. sci-fi, and he's an indie good guy. Uh, he just had a book come out yesterday, actually. Yeah, I remember. I remember when he was like small time. I mean, and it wasn't that long ago. Uh, I feel like yeah. he just kind of blew up overnight. Well, he thought. I mean, he dude writes three books a year. That's why. I mean, <laughs> so this whole series. I think it was Brushfire came out yesterday, and it was either book eleven or book twelve. Um, you know, and he so he did all that since like 2017. He just yeah. he just did like three books a year. Um, you know, That's nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and he just does that. He writes 5,000 words every day, four to 5,000 words every day. Um, you know, he writes a good book in two drafts. He doesn't, he doesn't revise nearly like I do. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. He just, he just turns this stuff out, man. I, say, I feel like another author that's similar to like that, that does a little more dystopian uh, is Nicholas Sainsbury Smith. I don't know if yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. Hell divers, right? He's hell divers. Yeah. I, I've done that. Um, so we all three of us have the same uh, narrator. So that's how yeah, we met. Yeah, Bray. Yeah. We all have R.C. Bray as a narrator. So that's how we met. Yeah. You can't, uh, can't ask for a better narrator. <laughs> no. In fact, I asked for him. That That's that's a great story too. Um, he was narrating Planet Side to me in my head when I wrote it. Because um, I never, I had just started audiobooks 
because remember, I lived in South Carolina. I was driving home to, to Savannah every weekend. Right. Right. So that's three hours each way. Man, that's like if you play it at one point two five speed, that's like two thirds to three, you know, three quarters of a book. So every weekend I was blowing through and then then I was driving to work. So I was going through a book a week on audio. Um, Gosh, it's. Oh. Yeah, I know. It, it really helped me get through a lot of stuff, you know. Um, but the first audiobook I ever listened to was The Martian, um, which was, you know, Andy Weir, which at the time was narrated by R.C. Bray. It's since been re-narrated yeah. by Will Wheaton, which is the sore subject that we won't talk about. Um, <laughs> not that I don't like Wheaton as a narrator. He's great yeah. reading Scalzi. I love him he, doing Scalzi. He, he just, it, he's, he's not Mark Watney. He's just, it just right. is I mean, not Watney to me. Right. So anyway, I'd heard that book and then I was writing Planetside. I had Bray's voice in my head. Um, and I made that very clear when I signed on to, to do Planetside with Harper. I have no say in it, by the way, but they just made it happen. Um, you know, it was so funny because my editor sent me, so what they do is they'll send you three narrators with samples, mm -hmm. um, and say, Hey, <clears throat> here's the three we got, choose one or, 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 you know, ask for somebody else. And he's was, his name was on it. And I, I was happened to be like in my inbox when it came in, saw the email, opened it up, responded without ever listening to anything. Five seconds responded. <laughs> I said, I want Ray. Yeah. Um, you know. And he already knew. My editor already knew because he knew that that's what I wanted. And that was kind of my dream come true. And it ended up ended up doing a lot for me. I mean, I sell a lot on audio. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like anything to attach to his name is going to sell. I mean, yeah, I mean, I it, think it, so. could be, it could be, you know, it could have been your fantasy book that nobody that's never going to see the light of day that everybody told you wasn't that great. <laughs> you probably sell at least a few. Just he he, the thing he does is, um, and a couple of narrators can do this, um, but he's one that it's a way for people to discover you that wouldn't have another way. You know, no one knows. And that's the hardest thing for a new author is how do you get found? Mm -hmm. How does someone find your book? Okay. Well, there's a few ways. You could get a lot, you can, you know, you can be at the top of your publisher's list and they can do a ton of effort and money rolling you out. Um, that was not me. I was never going to be that, right? The top of my list, the top of my list at my publisher, the year I came out uh, was RF Quan and uh, uh, Shannon Chakraborty. So those were the two, those were the two big books that came out from my imprint. And I'm sorry, I'm never going to sell as many books as that. I'm not, I'm not in that ballpark. Um, so you're not going to get found that way. Right. Um, and Bray was another way to get found. That's all. And and once yeah. people find you, then it's easy because then someone will tell someone else, you know, someone will tell somebody and they'll tell somebody and eventually you can build. But if they never find you, that never happens. Um, yeah. I definitely, happens. I definitely feel like audio, it, audio is the way to be found right now. I, I feel like it's just so big. Um, now I, I feel like it has maybe taken a little bit of a step back just because of the pandemic, uh, you know, not only, you know, do you have delays in audiobooks coming out, but people just aren't commuting. And I felt like a lot of people listen to audiobooks when they commute. I mean, I know I did every, every day driving to and from work. Yeah. You, you think that, but the number, the numbers don't bear that out. Um, I just saw, I saw a publishing report yesterday, um, that audiobooks were up 14% year over year, <laughs> which is not as much. So it, it, it went up less. Uh -huh. Okay, because I think the year prior, I think it was up like eighteen percent over the previous year. So, so it went up less, 
Um, but no, it's it's going. And let me here's here's the thing. So on Audible, where most of the books are unfortunately sold, um, you know, well, we would like to see books sold other places than Amazon. Yeah. I don't think that's a secret. I don't think I'm talking bad about anything. I think that's. I mean, my agent would say the same thing, right? So if, as long as you're talking like your agent, you're probably okay. I know um, Harper, Harper Audio is moving over to Libro. I don't know if you knew that. For, yeah. For some of their like uh, arcs and stuff. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that goes. But I love Libro. So, so when I, uh, um, my books are, I'm colony sides on Libro. Yep. I, I know that my, my publicist sent me, I asked for some early copies of the audiobook, and they sent me Libro codes. I'm like, all right, this will work. <laughs> Um, but when Planet Side was published, so in the summer of 2018, if you if you searched Audible and you searched science fiction and then you went to the military science fiction subcategory, there were 800 books. Okay, 800 in that category. Uh, when I looked, when Co Colony Side releases in two weeks, there will be over 3,000. So there's three to four times the number in two years, two and a half years, four times the number of books available in that genre on audible that were not there before so that's nuts <laughs> better you know best that you have a great narrator <laughs> yeah well it's harder for people breaking in you know yeah i'm there i mean i i have an audience that's going to buy this audiobook on day one um i mean i mean space side went to number one on the military sci-fi audio list the first day it came out colony side probably won't um, because Brushfire, I probably won't get, cause it just came out yesterday. It was supposed to come out on December 1st. I actually planned it. Nobody knows this. This is, this is like a scoop. Um, like a year ago, I asked, uh, Craig Allenson when his book was, when his, what his schedule was for publishing in 2020. Um, and he gave it to me. Um, and I was perfect. I was four weeks after Brushfire, right? So I think, which is in, in audible speak, that's one credit, right? Every month. Oh, yeah. so that means you use your credit on him that month and I get next month's credit. Right. And, and that's how you kind of have to think about things. Um, but then um, uh, Bray got sick um, and pushed back some of his releases, pushed back um, Allison's um, Bruno's um, and a couple other releases, but did not push back mine because his contract was with Harper and he had to deliver it earlier. So mine was already done and in the can. Um, so now I'm coming out, you know, two weeks behind the category killer. You know, it, it could be worse. It could be the same day. Um, you right, know, exactly. But, but <laughs> it's not great, but, you know. It is what it is. It is what it is. People will find it, you know, when, yeah. they, when they find it. Especially especially people that have read the first two or listened to the first two. So I mean you have you've at least got that going for you. Yeah. Um so so who uh you said you read a lot um growing up and especially, you know, when you were overseas uh, on your tours. Who who uh who were some of the bigger the bigger names or maybe even some of the smaller names that you read, I guess a lot of? Um we're we talking like in terms of influences or just yeah. people that I okay. Um Influences is hard. I don't, I don't think I'm particularly influenced. Well, the person, let me start with this. The person, the author that made me want to write uh, fantasy and sci-fi is Elizabeth Moon, um, which probably not a lot of people might not know her now. Um, 
but I mean, she has published like 40 books, um, she, you know, fantasy and sci-fi. Um, uh, so I read, I, I picked up, it, it's funny. I picked up, um, the omnibus of her deed of Paxinarian series, which starts with sheep farmer's daughter. There's three books, but it was a, it was a, um, three books together when they call that um, spacing on the word, but uh, the, um, but anyway, they're all three in one. They had been bound together into one paperback and I bought it at a library sale for like 50 cents. Mm -hmm. uh, and I read them and it's military fantasy. Um, and later came to find out Elizabeth moon was, it was a Marine um, before she was a writer. Um, and the realness of the soldiers in that was the thing that made me think, man, I want to, that's what I want to write. I want, I want to write, I want to write soldiers, you know, in fantasy or, or in science fiction, um, you know, and I want to do it. And, and, and the reason it was the first time I'd really seen that done. I mean, it's not, she's not the only one who does it. You know, you got black company and you got some of those other hammers, slammers and some of those other military sci-fi, old military sci-fi stuff. Um, Jack Campbell, obviously uh he's an annapolis grad went to navy great great series of, of navy books um you know but she was the one i found first and was really if you read that crappy fantasy book that i wrote it's almost fanfic of, of elizabeth moon you know you might not know it you might not pick it up if you hadn't already read her stuff um so she was really the first person that was the the inspiration um for me to get started. Um, Nelson DeMille a big, is a big inspiration of mine. He uh, does not write science fiction at all. Um, he wrote The General's Daughter, if you remember that. It was a, it was a bad movie, but a great book. Um, and actually, there's a lot of uh, Nelson DeMille in Planetside. If you, if, you, if you wanted to find one book that was most like Planetside, um, something like The General's Daughter, um, not the psychological elements necessarily, but I mean, the general's daughter is basically about an investigator investing some, investigating something that happened on a military base. I mean, it's basically planet side from that setup perspective, except it's modern day. Mm -hmm. um, so, so he's him, and then Jillian Flynn of, of all people, um, Gone Girl. Uh, she wrote Gone Girl and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but Gone Girl was was the genesis of Planet Side. Um, I had this, I had the the core of an idea for Planet Side in my head from Afghanistan. Just the setting, um, and the setting of Planet Side, if you you know, is a very thinly veiled Afghanistan. Um, you know, um, but I didn't know how I was going to write it, and I really had no plan of actually writing it. And then I was started to read Gone Girl, and it's got this voice. The it, it's got this voice, man. This first person just hit you in the face. You're gonna go with the story no matter where because you just want to hear the dude talk, mm -hmm. you know. Um, voice, and and that's when I thought, oh well, I need to write in first person. This story needs to be told in first person. And I'd never written in first person before. I'd always written in third person. And I read that, and I was like that's this story. This story mm -hmm. is, is first person. Right. And that's when I invented Carl Butler, um, was, was really 
even before I finished Gone Girl, I had read like four chapters of it. And then I stopped and went and wrote the first two chapters of Planet Side and sent them off to some people. And they were like, yes, this is what I want. This is what you should write. Um, and then I had to figure out the plot and everything. I had a setting <laughs> and a character and no plot, um, you know, but that didn't stop me. We, we got there. Oh, then, then eventually I figured it all out. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but all the, I mean, the great authors, I mean, I read every major fantasy author from the 80s and 90s, you know, starting, probably starting with um, A Spell for Chameleon or, or, or one of those, you know, Robert Asprin and David Eddings and, you know, um, I can't remember who wrote A Spell for Chameleon now. Um, but he wrote a whole bunch of things. Um, begins with a P. You lost me on that one. <laughs> it's old, man. It's, I was reading it. I mean, this is 40 years old, we're talking. Right. It's a 40 year old fantasy book. Um, I have it over there. I could, I have it on the shelf. But um, but I read, I mean, as a kid, I wrote, read every fantasy book that would come into our little store, right? Because that's how you got books back then. Right. Whatever was in our bookstore, we didn't have a science fiction bookstore. Um, you know, whatever was in the library or whatever was in the bookstore, if I, you know, once I had a job, um, those were the books I read, Dragonlance, um, everything. You know, then when I got in the military, I was able to, to you know, get around and find other stuff. Then, then I kind of branched out. But I read all the old all old fantasy series, all the big ones that that you know you've probably heard of from the '90s and stuff like that. Um, I've read most of that. Um, people that I love today, I read so much new stuff today. Like, I do make a space. I make a space of you know three or four books a year for holes in my resume of of reading science fiction, especially not just, not fantasy mostly, but but. Books I should have read at some point. Like mm -hmm. I'd never read Alistair Reynolds, for example, which as a science fiction author is just ridiculous. Um, so, so I did that, you know, um, I've been working my way through CJ Cherry. Um, who's, who's the classic in my mind. Um, classic and modern, both at the same time, like writes in a modern style, but did it before anybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, without all the problems of some of the other classics of science fiction that, that go back, um, you know, but then I like to read all the, the debuts and the new authors that are coming out just because, well, one, so I can talk about them and tell other people about them and, and, and you know, further the community. Yeah. Um, two, I just think there's so much great stuff being done, right? Um, Essa Hansen's book this year, that's killed me, man. That was just amazing. Have you read that one? Uh, uh, I, I've started it. It's a Nefit Gloss. Yeah. 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 Love that. Um, love uh, Megan O'Keefe's books, uh, Velocity Weapon. That's great. Um, next year, one to watch for you next year is uh, JS, I don't know how to say your last, D-E-W-E-S, Dues, I guess. Mm -hmm. Dues. I'm not sure. I've only met her online. Yeah. Um, I read that. It's called The Last Watch. That's really good. Um, it's like if you took the Night Watch um, from George R.R. R. Martin's books and set it in space. Um, like they're on the wall. It's so I mean, cool. right up the alley, right? It's great. It's great. <laughs> it comes out in April. 
Um, so they just sent me that one, like out of nowhere. That's mm -hmm. a, that also happens. Like I'll find new authors. No fat gloss. I didn't even know what it was until the editor asked me to read it. And I was like, yeah, send it along. And then I read it and I loved it. So that was, that was cool. NK Jemison is, is my favorite. Um, like I'll stop what I'm doing to read whatever she puts out. I gotcha. Um, the fifth, the fifth season, that series, uh, it's the greatest series of, <laughs> of the century as far as I'm concerned. Um, Trying to think who else knew. Oh, um, Sam Hawk's books I love. Um, I got. I'm getting the second one for Christmas. Um, the audio didn't come out right when I needed it to, so uh, I'm getting that one for Christmas. The second one. I've read the first one. Love that. Love her. Is, is there going to be an audio for that one for Hollow? Oh yeah, it's already done. It just okay. whatever reason it wasn't on Audible the first day. Um, to the point where I like message her and I'm like, what the hell. I was waiting to get this book. But <laughs> I say you could you could have waited to the con and, and like had a fisticuffs with her. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not fighting her. She's like a she's like a black belt in jujitsu, man. I know, right? Yeah, I, did, I didn't know that until I'm I not fighting with her. Plus, she's from yeah. Australia. They're like, you know, they fight death every day there. <laughs> um, dude, Australians fight. I served with some Australian soldiers. Don't mess with Australians. <laughs> um, they'll just fight for no reason. Um, and then, oh, and oh, so I got, yeah, my whole December, um, reading schedule for audiobooks got thrown off because Evan Winter's book was late too on audio. Yeah. Fires. Yep. Fires of, uh, fires of vengeance. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's out now. Actually it came out yesterday on audio. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't out at first to the point where I don't know Evan, but I know his, I know his editor and I, I like, I, I messaged her on Twitter and I'm like, what the hell? You know, I was waiting to get this book and she's like, they, that was a scheduling problem for the narrator. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I know, I know several, yeah. I know several got pushed back and yeah, it's, it's like, I, I'm, I'm like scrambling around, like figuring out, okay, am I, am I going to read anything that came out this year or am I just going to go ahead and do what comes out next year? And I kind of, I kind of <laughs> did that. Like my, most of my last two months have been everything that's in 2021. So I did the black tongue thief by Christopher Buhlman uh, I finished uh, Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Uh, I read the. That? Oh, it's phenomenal. Is it? If, if you enjoyed The Martian, this I is love like The Martian. Okay. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's better than The Martian. You're, that's a bar, man. That you're setting that high. I even I even wow. messaged Andy and told him that, and he goes, "Well, well thank you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you take that as an author? I don't even know. Um, yeah, when you have when you have such a success as the Martian, to be well, told, I mean, your second book does. doesn't do as well. I mean, right. no, I, Artem Artemis was it was good. It wasn't. It wasn't the Martian great. though. It wasn't yeah. the Martian. I will just yeah. say that, and I don't think that's and that's okay. I mean, the Martian was the book of a year to me. Yeah, it's I mean, it's, it's a one of a kind. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, or it know. was it right. Was. Well, and second books are hard, dude. Second books are the hardest books. Yeah. by far to write um because with your first book you can do whatever you want there's no one telling you what to do you have as long or as little time as you need um you know um you've got by the time from the time you get an agent to the time it publishes you've got years for a book that's already written right so we we I had my first call with uh, David, my editor, in December of 2016. 
Okay. And my book came out in July of 18. So seven, 18 months, 19 months later before the book comes out. And now it's fast. It's usually longer than that. Right. And that book was already written. You know, I didn't have to do any work on it. Um, but your second book is the first time that someone's telling you, Hey, this is, this is due on such and such a date and we have expectations. Um, and you may never have written. I certainly had never written like that before mm-hmm. where I had, and by the way, a book that I didn't know I was going to write. Planet Side was a standalone. I never intended to write a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> but I got the contract and the contract said book two because I knew I had a two book deal, but I didn't know it was a sequel. Mm-hmm. We never talked about that. And then I got the contract <laughs> and it was like, it will be in the same series. And I'm like, okay, that's good to know. It's good to know. I guess we're... Uh, Again, we're, I guess we're uh, working that out. We're going to work out a space side uh, in the same series. Um, and I kind of knew Colony Side. Okay, I knew before I finished writing Space Side, though, I knew I was going to write Colony Side. Like I always, because, <clears throat> which is not normal, but Planet Side did well enough out of the gate where they signed me for Colony Side before Space Side was done which was very, very helpful to me. Most people don't get that benefit, which people don't know, right? They're like, these books are just disjointed. It doesn't feel like a trilogy. Yeah, that's because they had a two book deal and they didn't know if they were gonna get the third one or not. So they had to write book two with both of those things in mind that you may never have a book three or that you might. Right. Um, so a lot of times the author doesn't know. Um, now, sometimes you sell a trilogy right up front. You know, mm-hmm. some people do. Right. Um, yeah, but Planet Side was never supposed to be a trilogy. Okay. Um, it was supposed to be standalone. But I say I know I know Orbit uh, sells like a lot of trilogies uh, up front or duologies or sometimes you know four or five book series, which I'm pretty sure Evans is a five book series for uh, for Rage and Fires of Vengeance. I'm pretty no, sure. No, that's a duology. Is it? I thought he I thought he was writing five in that series. He may. I'm pretty sure it's a duology. I'll have to go back. I've been telling that. everyone it's a we'll, duology. We'll, I'll go we'll back find and check. It, we'll find it in January. I'll, I'll make sure. Yeah, that I think it's a duology <laughs> because his Sam Sam Hawks is a duology for sure. Yeah, I knew that. Um, which I love, by the way. I love duologies. That's a great idea. I'm much more likely to buy the second book now. Yeah, especially you know, especially when they're both doorstoppers. <laughs> yeah, well, a trilogy is <laughs> a lot to commit to, man. I mean. It's hard. Like even really great series, like um, the Dave Abad series, great series. I'm just getting to book two. Mm-hmm. I read book one two years ago. Um, I'm just getting to book two now. I'm, I'm like a third of the way through it. Um, and, and it's not because it's not great. It's because opportunity costs, man. There's yeah. so many books. Um you know, and they sent me that one for free. I didn't even have to pay for it. It's my publisher. That's, by the way, the greatest part about being a as being about being a published author is people will just send you books. <laughs> like you just like, I just tweet at I just tweet at my editor and like he'll send me he'll send me a copy of of whatever is coming out from Harper, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good part of being a, you know being a reviewer too. But at the yeah. same time, I'm kind of like you though. I like to read debuts. I like to find out who's going to be the next big thing, and I like to shout it from the rooftops. Now. The By the way, the every writer in the theory. world appreciates that from you. I mean, for 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 if you're a reviewer, if for anybody out there, if you're a reviewer and you 
like to read debuts, we all appreciate you because it's not that many people who do that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm always seeing in, in fantasy and science fiction forums about people reading series that have been out for years and years and years, and they continue to harp on how great they are and stuff. But I'm like, man, I like to read new stuff. I like to read authors that are relatively unknown or, you know, or are completely unknown. I mean, they, they have a couple of, you know, maybe they have 50 followers on, on Twitter and, you know, their book comes out and it's amazing. And the next thing you know, they're, you know, they've got 10,000. You know, it's, it's, yeah, uh, you can only do, you can only do what you can do. Um, you know, I could sell you 10 or 15 books. You know, if you're, if you're an author and I, and I talk about you for a couple of times that I can get you like 10 or 15 new followers. Um, you know, that's about it though. Yeah. Um, so you need a lot of people to do that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and, and honestly, there's, there's even authors out there that, that do really well that I still feel like need, you know, a boost like a uh, P jelly Clark. I don't know if you've read any of his novellas from tour.com uh, no, ring shout is absolutely phenomenal. And I shouted that book from the rooftops for a long time. And he's a, a I mean, he's a well-read author. Um, but there's a lot of people that just don't know that name because not a lot of people will read shorter fiction, you know, because most of the stuff's novellas or well, that and tours, man. First off, good for tour for publishing novellas and short length works, but nobody else will do that. Mm-hmm. But as a reader, man, and as an audiobook fan, they're they're the same price, man. I mean, I'm not you're not selling a lot of audiobooks of your novellas. You're not selling mm-hmm. a lot of three hour audiobooks. You're just no. not. No. Um you know, there are people who will say mine are too short for audio at eight, eight and a half hours. Um, colony size is a little longer than that, but um, not that much. I mean, it's 25% longer probably. <laughs> well, see, I, I mean, I, I will say when I when I first started doing audiobooks, I did look at how long the book was and go, <laughs> I can spend a credit on that. You know? Yeah, I think yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's how you think, right? Yeah. Um, but I, the other way I think about it is, Man, that's only eight and a half hours. I can get that. I can get that through quick. I can knock that off my DVR <laughs> right there. That's a book read, man. Right. You know, which is great. Like you know, so that's so. why that's why I read the novellas on my Kindle. I mean, I can read them in you know a sitting because yeah, it takes me sure. an hour. Yeah, hour or two. Yeah, because like I just finished uh, Remote Control, um, and I, I, I will I will butcher her name if I try to say it, but it comes out in January. Um, but I mean, I finished that in a sitting. I haven't uh, heard of it. Yeah, it's it comes out January nineteenth, I think. Um, it's from the same author who did the Benti series. Oh, oh, Nettie, yeah, Nettie, yeah, yeah. sure. There you go. I love yeah. Benti. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just will binge those, and then I'll do you know like you know, a thirty or forty hour audio book. Like I did uh, uh, to sleep in a sea of stars a couple of months ago, and I'm Was pretty sure. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm pretty sure that may have been the quickest I'd listened to an audiobook that that was that length. I think it was like 30 something hours. I think and that, I, I finished it in two days. I think that won like the Goodreads Science Fiction Award or something for. Probably. Um, well, I mean, you got to think he's got that huge following from Aragon and everything. So I'm sure people were just blasting Goodreads with votes. I, I feel like it, you got to take some of those with a grain of salt because I feel like Stephen King wins just about every year. And I know. Um, Sylvia won this year for Mexican Gothic, but generally, if there's a King book in horror, it generally wins whether it was good or not. <laughs> yeah, on that on that site, sure. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, um, yeah, I take awards with it. I'm, I mean, I'm not an award book writer, so anything I say is going to come off as sounding bitter. The, um, <laughs> I don't write books that get awards. You just write books that people enjoy, right? I, I write books that get me new contracts, though. So, yeah. There you go. <laughs> there, was a, there was a really, really funny uh, exchange one time on a panel. It was a two-person panel. It was um, uh, Cameron Hurley and Joe Abercrombie. Right. And they were introducing themselves. Right. And, and Cameron Hurley was like, yeah, want, want a Hugo for this, want a Hugo for that. And Abercrombie was like, yeah, yeah, you won a bunch of awards, blah, blah. And she's like, hey, I'll trade you half my Hugos for half your sales. And he was like, <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's insane. Uh, you, you just you just don't know. I mean, there's there, there are these books that win awards every year. And I'm like never heard of it and that's why i can't jump to next year's books right because sometimes especially if it's got buzz in the nebulas and the hugos i gotta go back and read it mm -hmm. like i wouldn't have I, I would not i wouldn't have read a memory of empire um which i'm reading now i wouldn't have read that if it didn't win the hugo um and that would have been a mistake to not read it because mm -hmm. it's great yeah. um <clears throat> so far it's really, really good. I'm really enjoying it. That's like, and, it's, and, it's sequel, and its sequel comes out in March. Right? Yeah, which I may or may not ever read, um, mm -hmm. depending. I, I I read a lot of book ones. <laughs> <laughs> hey, same, same here. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk a little bit about your series. So yeah. uh, book one, Planet Side, came out in 2018, like you said. Um, can you can you talk a little bit about Planet Side and Space Side since they're already out without maybe spoiling anything for book three? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Planet Side is an old, crusty colonel just about to retire. <coughs> Excuse me. He gets called out of retirement um, to do one more mission, and it's pretty routine. Um, but this, this, this high counselor, basically Reed Senator, you know, Senator's kid has, uh, gone missing in action in a war zone in a distant war zone way out away from everything. Um, so they sent, they, they take Carl Butler, who's this, this Colonel, um, who's, who's ready to retire. Uh, and they send him out here, out there to do an investigation and find out what happened to this missing kid. Um, and he gets out there and things are not as they seem. Um, you know, evidence starts to disappear. Um, people are lying to him. Uh, people are covering stuff up. Somebody tries to kill him. Um, and it becomes very clear to him that there's more to this than meets the eye. And he starts digging into that um, and trying to find this missing person. Um, so it's basically a missing persons case set inside of a military science fiction uh, setting, right? And so big things happen. Um, big things happen at the end of that book. Um, right. Big things happen that we will not talk about because that's, that's part of, part of my first two books are very twisty. Um, we don't want to give too much away. Um, but then space side, he deals with the aftermath of that. Um, he starts to deal with the aftermath of that. There are people who are still around from book one who are not happy about how book one ended. Um, and they're not happy with Carl Butler specifically. Um, so people start following him and he really becomes 
the case uh, in book two. So book three, Colony Side, is set two years after Space Side. Um, and it really does not call back to the first two books that much. It's Imagine if you were watching a television show um, and they had sold the first two seasons, right? And it had a two-season arc. Um, and then they sold more seasons. And they came back, so they opened a new arc for season three. You know, something new happened to the characters and it started a whole new arc. Um, and it, 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 so that's Colony Side. Colony Side is essentially a standalone Carl Butler novel. Um, now, it brings back a lot of the characters. It's set in the same world. And certainly all of the things that Carl Butler did very publicly, um, the big things that he did in book one and book two are known. And they have an impact on book three. Um, so, but it's essentially a standalone mystery where he's given another case um, and he's asked to go solve it. Um, and this time it is set inside of a, a colony of about 30,000 people on a world that has not fully been terraformed yet. So they're living in domes. Um, and that's why it's called Colony Side, which if you look over in the notes uh, or the, the chat, Dan Rowinski says, hey, <clears throat> didn't you say, didn't you know that it wasn't, did you, did you not know that it was going to be Colony Side? Yeah, I did not know it was going to be Colony Side. Colony Side was the original title. And I sent it to my editor and he's like, nah, dude, this is our chance. We can break away from these side titles. This is our, and I was like, <laughs> amen. It's the last chance, right? If so, we send it in and then marketing was like, no, it's going to have a side in it. Like, <laughs> By the way, if you want to know where titles of books come from, it's from the marketing department. You, I, all my, my first two titles stood. I, I mean, those books were written with those titles mm -hmm. and they kept them, but yeah, book three, they call the marketing department was very, very adamant that it was going to have a side in it. Um, which what is, what is, is my motivation to never write a fourth book? Cause I don't know what to, what am I going to call it? Um, <laughs> um, Mountainside. <laughs> yeah. Something. Beachside. He's just retired, you know. Oh my God. Please, please write one called Beachside. Yeah. It could be a novella. <laughs> the, um, but my next book, my next, my fourth book is actually called Misfits. Um, and it's completely different. It's a new, new characters, new world and all that. And that's done, turned in, um, waiting on edits, but I'm really excited about that one. I think people are going to like it. It's going to be called Misfits. I, I like it. Yeah. No, I really <laughs> like that one. The fifth book I'm writing is called The Weight of Command. And I'm, I was supposed to write Ooh. that work on that today. Um, I did not. Um, I, I'm struggling. I'm struggling uh -uh. with that one. It's not going real well. But uh -uh. We'll get it. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, Tell me, who is who is Carl Butler, and why does everybody seem out to get him? Now, I know there's some things that happen, uh, but kind of to go along with that, if everybody's out to get him, why do they keep coming back to him to get him to do stuff? Well, because I had a contract for another book, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, why, why does everybody keep going after Jack Reacher? I mean, you know. Gosh, this is true, man. Which, which might be my, you know, that's a, if, if that's a comp. Right. Like if you like Jack Reacher books, you'll probably like the Planet Side books. Right. Um, everyone's dad likes my books, by the way. So if you like if you're looking for a book for your dad for Christmas, get my 
I get that comment or that that compliment so many times. Man, my dad really loves your books. Not I like your books. <laughs> my dad really loves your books. Um, uh, that's because your dad already reads my books. He reads, you know, Jack Reacher and uh, Mission Impossible and all those kinds of books. Uh, you know, and, and it's a similar it's a similar feel to that. Um, you need to ask, you need to answer Dan's question. Did you say about the whiskey? Yeah. <laughs> um, so in my mind, when I invented Farrah Three whiskey in book one, um, so Farrah Three is a planet um, where Carl Butler was stationed at the beginning of it. That is basically uh, it produces the best whiskey in the in the galaxy um, for whatever reason. You know, just like you would say, you know, Kentucky for America produces the, you know, the best whiskeys in America. Um, so this, so in my mind, um, Farrah Three was, uh, was McAllen. It was McAllen Scotch whiskey. Um, I've also said sometimes, I, I've also referred to it as like Woodford Reserve for bourbon. Um, so it's one of those though. Um I just wanted him to have a brand, you know, <laughs> and uh, that's kind of his thing. He drinks the same kind of whiskey. He packs it with him illegally on the trips so that he, and, and he's an alcoholic, which isn't great. Um, uh, so there's that, you know, he's, he's dealing with that. He's guy's got some problems, man. He's got some PTSD going. Um, yeah. People have tried to kill him a few times. Uh, they, they keep, they keep coming out to get him. Um, and that will not stop in colony side, I would suggest. Um, <laughs> but to say, uh, drinking usually goes hand in hand with grizzled vets. It, it does. I think, uh, it's a, it's a cheap stereotype, honestly. Um, and I've purposely taken it out of book four, the fourth book that I wrote. I purposely don't use that just so that I'm not, because there's plenty, there's, there are plenty of soldiers these days who don't drink. Um, more so than in the past. In the past, I would say that almost everybody drank. Um, uh, big fitness fitness kick, though. I mean, you know, there there, there are a lot of people who now in the in the military who don't drink, um, and it's, and it's kind of a cheap. I don't know. It's kind of a cheap gimmick. But I wrote it in book one, and I and I'm sticking with it. That's Butler. You know, he is who he is. <clears throat> Gotcha. Um, so uh, how would you sell your series to readers who don't necessarily enjoy science fiction? Um, it's hard. It's hard to do, right? The hard part is finding the audience. Mm -hmm. I am a firm believer that if you are a lover of um, thrillers, right, especially military thrillers and stuff like that, then you will also like Planet Side. Because that's essentially what it is. I said it in space, and there are some reasons for that. Um, beyond just being a sci-fi nerd myself, um, <clears throat> I could not have written this book set in a modern setting and got away with it, I don't think. Um, I don't think I could have got away with it because I would want to make it realistic. And some of the realistic things, I mean, I was still in the Army when I wrote this, right? I, I have things to this day that I can't talk about, mm -hmm. but I can fictionalize the crap out of them, right? I can make them feel realistic, but not be realistic because it's science fiction, man. I just made it up, um, you know, but 
if I had written it um, as a military thriller, you know, set in the modern day, I, I, I wouldn't have been allowed to publish it. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I don't think so. That's part of, that's one reason I went, I went towards science fiction with this particular story. Um, so I would just say that it, for anyone who likes military thrillers, um, that's what this is. And it just happens to be set in a science fiction world, but I do not planet side, especially there's, it, it absolutely doesn't bash you over the head with the technology. Um, you know, it's not going to tell you how the spaceship works. He goes to sleep mm -hmm. on one end, he wakes up on the other end. Um, and, and then he's on a planet, you know, mm -hmm. and that planet feels a heck of a lot like Afghanistan. I mean, I've had people come to me and say, man, that, that you wrote that just like, and sometimes it's a compliment and sometimes it's a, it's a dig. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you just wrote Afghanistan in space. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, you know, <laughs> you caught me. Yeah, absolutely. But, I gotcha. Um, so uh, you're going to be on a, a little bit of a uh, virtual convention. Oh, yeah. At the end yeah of let's, talk, let's talk about that. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so we're doing a uh, virtual convention at the end of January called TBRCon. Which uh, you originally coined Pop Up Con, which I thought was great until I realized that there was already a convention that was called yeah. that here. So we decided to nix that. So, yeah, so TBR Con it is. Um, and you just happened to be on a panel with some fantastic people talking about, uh, you know, we're, we're talking, well, I guess we won't talk about Fight Club, but it's called Science Fiction and Fantasy Fight Club. But you're going to be on there with uh, David Dalglish, uh, Alexander Darwin, Sam Hawk, uh, who we talked about before, Rob yeah. Hayes. And Jeremy Zoll, who I like to refer to as Sazzle. Um, <laughs> and uh, you get to talk a little bit about uh, combat and anything else under the under the sun in science fiction and fantasy. But what are you looking forward to most about it? Oh, that's great. I mean, those are great authors. Um, I have not read Daglish, I, but he I, I have one of his books set to read um, because, uh, I mean – I'll read pretty much everything that Orbit puts out at this point. They're doing such a good job. Um, and, and Jeremy, I know I've read his book. Um, so if you like, if you do, if you're a read, if you're a reader of mine, but you thought Planets, I would be good if it was like 15 times darker and, and more violent then that's Jeremy. Um, <laughs> with way cooler tech, by the way, um, his tech is so cool and freaky and, um, good and i like sam's books um so i'm looking forward to talking to them um i don't know how that's gonna go i think we have uh, different ideas of what we're going to talk about so we'll see what happens like i expect them to talk a lot about individual combat because that's a lot of what they write um jeremy writes some military scenes um some military flashback scenes um that are very good um <clears throat> sam doesn't write too many fights at all in her books. Her stuff is a lot more, I mean, her, her whole first book is set inside the siege of a city. Mm -hmm. So there is a war going on, but the two main characters are not fighters. Nope. In fact, one of them is handicapped. Right. Um, and which is really cool um, in its own way, but they're, they're caught in a fight without being fighters. Um, but on the other hand, Sam herself is a, is a fighter. So, right. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see where we go with that. Um, I don't write a lot of individual fight scenes. Um, 
but I try, I mean, all my books have combat scenes in them. And in those, I try to be as realistic as possible about what it feels like to be there um, and have somebody shooting at you and stuff like that, because that's right. a very visceral feeling that I think gets glossed over in a lot of books. Um, and that I can bring a very unique perspective to, um, you know, not everybody's had the chance to have people shoot at them. Right. And uh, so don't tell my wife that because I tell her that I've never been shot at. Um, <laughs> she's not watching. Yeah, there you go. So uh, to, just to, to finish off that, uh, I want you to tell just a short story about, uh, we talked a little bit about it off air, about your con experience, uh, talking about, about fight scenes. Oh, yeah, that was so cool. Um, back before the end times, <laughs> back before March of 2020, when the world ended, um, there's a very, very, I don't want to say vibrant, is that the right word? prolific there the southeast has like a ton of little science fiction fantasy cons um a lot of them and it's a lot of the same people um there's a little press down here out of north carolina um called falstaff press um and they do a lot of good work it's one of it's one of my favorite small presses um and so they do a lot they're they're an indie press um, and a lot of their authors will be there. Um, and my home con is uh, called Atomicon, um, which they're trying to do here in 2021, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but before cons went online, one of the great parts about going to cons for me is being able to hang out with the other authors, like after the panel. The panels usually aren't that great for me. I mean, that's great. We'll go talk because in a panel, like, you know, at a small con like this, you're talking like 15, 20 people in the audience, um, you know, five authors um, <clears throat> or, whatever, or whatever. And it's great. And I, and I like to do that. Um, but I really like to hang out with the authors afterwards and just just talk. But, but we were running this one con about about it was basically a similar thing of how to write a fight scene and stuff like that. And it was it was horribly scheduled. Um, it was scheduled for nine o'clock on a Friday on the Friday. And this is a con that really is, is a Saturday con. Nobody shows up Friday night. Um, so no one came to the panel except one guy, right? And the guy was Jason Fry. And if you don't know Jason Fry, he wrote the novelization for the last Jedi. Okay. So he wrote this massive, and he was one of the guests of honor. He was the, the author guest of honor. Um, and he came and he's like, all right, <clears throat> he goes, you guys are here and, you know, you're supposed to be here for an hour. So I got a question. How would you write the fight scene in the throne room with Kylo Ren and Rey? Which is, it's just an amazing question. And by the way, he wrote that scene. He's the author who had to take that from the screen, from the screenplay and write that into the book. Um, and he wasn't happy with the way he did it. Um, because it's hard, right? Because how do you write that scene? Because you're in one point of view. You're, you're, you're in a book. You can't jump back and forth between their heads. They're both making moves, right? And, he, and so, so the first question that I asked him was, okay, whose point of view are we telling this? Who, whose point of view are we in when we get to the scene? And he's like, we're in Ray's. 
right? And we have to be in race and it can't change because mm -hmm. it has to be in race point of view because Kylo Ren is about to kill the dude, um, whatever Snoke. his name. Let's go, Snoke, yeah. yeah. So, um, so in order to hide that from the reader, you, there's no choice. You must be in Ray's point of view. So now when the fight starts and they're both fighting individually on different sides of the room, how do you convey the entire fight? Right? And the answer is you can't. You really can't because Ray has got to be concentrating on what she's doing and she can't see what he's doing behind her. Right. So you have to try and write it in snippets and that's it. It would be extremely difficult to do. Um, and honestly, I haven't read the book, so I don't know how he did it. But we got to talk to the author of that <laughs> book for like an hour um, about a really, really cool theoretical writing question. So lo and behold, that was the best panel you've ever been on. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, I mean, I've been on some good panels. I've been on some good panels. I gotcha. Um, you know, I got I got to sit on a panel with David Weber up at in, in uh, North Carolina. That was good. Um, I mean, it was good as long as you didn't want to talk. Well, there's a rule. Okay, so so picture this. First of all, sold out panel, filled, door closed, no one else allowed in the room because it's packed. Okay, we're talking like probably the room should have held fifty, and there's seventy people in there, and they are all wearing the uniform of the Royal Manticoran Navy. Okay, which is they're all cosplaying his characters. Everyone, every single person. It's like looking at a formation of soldiers and they're dressed as his characters. And I'm like, there ain't nobody here to see me, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, so you, and as an author, you kind of know, I mean, like you answer your, you know, every question that comes up, okay, I'll answer that in like 15 seconds and then we'll let him have like two minutes with it, you know, right. because that's, that's what the, the people are here to see. Right. Um, and maybe if like some of his fans could like rub off on me and, and I could get a couple of their, their fans then, you know, grab some of his fans that would dress up in Navy uniforms. Those people go. are crazy, man. Oh, that. <laughs> He's got the, for science fiction, he has probably the most dedicated fans I've ever seen. They're everywhere. Every, every con you go to, you'll just see him. Even when he's not there, they'll right. be, you'll be see cosplayers for, for that. Um, that's nuts. Yeah. Oh man. Well, Mike, I uh, I appreciate you coming on today and, uh, and and chatting with me about you know your your book series about life and general and writing and cons and um, I'm really looking forward to the convention at the end of January, especially especially your uh, your panel. I think it's gonna be great. Yeah, I can't wait. I, I just noticed that you had the Auburn shirt on. I should have said War Eagle earlier. Yeah, it, it's it's still kind of a dark day right now. It's not great. It's not, um, we're we're like thirty eighth in recruiting right now, and don't yeah, have we, don't, we don't have a coach. <laughs> we don't have we don't have a search committee. We don't have anything. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm interested to see how the weekend goes. I, I have a feeling they already have somebody hired. They just haven't announced it yet. So maybe we'll at see. least that's the hope. So, but uh, I'll let you get back to it. Um, and everybody that's uh, that's watching in, so Planet Side and Space Side are available now. So I definitely recommend going and grabbing them. Uh, Colony Side will be out at the end of this month on the 29th. Uh, and again, RC Bray doing the audio. If you love audiobooks, RC's probably one of the top three narrators. 
And yeah, I think for the kind of things that I write, yeah, he's great. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's phenomenal. Um, and definitely check out TBRCon starting on January 25th of 2021 and look for Mike's panel on that Wednesday. Um, and Mike, we'll, we'll chat again in yeah. a month. <laughs> right. See you soon. I'm-